welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. George Bremer and Ryan Hickey here with you as always. Make sure you do download and check out and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast wherever you do get your podcasts and on YouTube, Blue Horseshoe Pod. Every single episode is uploaded in video form right there on our YouTube page, Blue Horseshoe Pod. So if you haven't subscribed, make sure you do subscribe and check us out on the tube. A very exciting show. On this Tuesday, uh, George, we have OTA starting this week. We'll discuss Shane Steichen expectations. This is the first time Shane Steichen will be on the field with a full team as the head coach of the Colts. We got a big-time scheduling issue with Thursday Night Football now being able to be flexed late in the season. Will this impact the Colts this year whatsoever? We'll discuss. And also, too, let's get into Anthony Richardson expectations as well because just like Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson now this week will be taking the field, George, for the first time with the entire team on the practice field. So I know it's only nine practices over the course of three weeks. So again, it's very easy to carry it away and go over the top here. But in terms of development, what are you looking for in these three weeks here that have you feeling good, or at least have some momentum Keep on rolling here into mini camp and into training camp later on the summer. What are you kind of looking for in these three weeks here with Anthony Richardson and the team together for the first time? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it kind of feels like the calm before the storm here, right? I mean, uh, get into these OTA practices and season's still a long way off. Training camp's still a long way off. But it feels real now. Like like you said, the full team's going to be out there. You're going to have offense versus defense. You're not going to have a pass rush. You're not going to have live bullets out there, so to speak, obviously. But it is – you're starting to take the first steps now of this 2023 team and what they're going to look like. Who's going to line up where? You know, there's a lot of questions about that beyond the quarterback, you know. What's the offensive line going to look like? What's the second string offensive line going to look like? What's even the secondary going to look like? Is Shaq Leonard out there? I mean, we're going to start getting answers to all these questions um, that I think are really, you know, they're they're, they're intriguing. Uh, but Richardson's at the top of the list. I think he is with everything. I mean, yeah. everything we talk about this year is going to come back to number 15 sooner or later. Uh, number five. Sorry. Number five, George. I'm, I'm off on the Florida number still. So number five <laughs> sooner or later. One of the things where I knew it was wrong when I was saying, like, hey, what's wrong with that? Yeah, number five sooner or later. Um, but I think that the big, the biggest thing for him right now is stuff that we can't really measure as as onlookers. But how is he retaining information? You know, what they're running through in the classroom, and then when he gets out there on the field, how well is he retaining that taking it into you know from the theoretical to the physical I think that's one of the biggest things they're going to be watching I think it's a big thing that's going to help determine whether or not he starts week one not just from these nine practices but over the course of you know the rest of these next three weeks the veteran mini camp after that training camp when we get into that that's going to be a huge part of it how's he in the huddle you know you're going to be able to see that um how is he at protections? You're going to get a little bit of that now. He's not obviously going to be facing the pass rush, but he's still going to get to the line and call out protections, either he or Ryan Kelly. Uh, I imagine it'll be Ryan Kelly's job. It has been. It was under Frank Reich. It'll be interesting to see with a rookie quarterback. I would think that Shane Sykin would go that way, but uh, that's one of the things that we'll need to ask about, figure out how that's going to work. But those things will still happen. You're still going to read the defense. Um, you know, I think they're going to want to know, hey, had this been live, this guy would have been unblocked. You know, those sorts of things. Um, 
that aren't necessarily going to be really obvious to people just from the outside. Uh, but I think they're going to be huge internally um, as you try to figure out his progress and where he's going. We Physically, we know where he's at. Uh, I think as far as the things that we can gauge with our eyes, is the accuracy coming along? You know, has he taken steps even from rookie minicamp? Is there – what is his chemistry with, with the other receivers? We know he and Josh Downs seem to be quickly getting on the same page. What's it like with Michael Pittman? What's it like with Alec Pierce? What's it like with Ashton Doolin, Isaiah McKenzie? You know, on through, I would imagine both he and Menchie are going to work with almost all the receivers. Um, but I think, you know, there's I think there's a lot to see here. Now, like you said, you don't want to get too carried away with it. I don't think a good showing is going to necessarily mean that he's starting week one. I don't think a bad showing is going to tell you much. Um, but it's it's closer to real than anything we've seen so far. And you mentioned, I think it's a really important, you know, aspect to look at. And like I said, it's hard to kind of, especially in just nine practices, hard to truly judge how much of the playbook he's absorbing and understanding and feeling comfortable with. But you're all right. That's the biggest aspect that's going to determine if he's starting week one or not. Now, there's nothing physically that's going to keep, outside of an injury, Anthony Richardson off the field to start the season. It's going to be his ability to digest and understand the playbook and feel comfortable that not only do you know enough of play, you know, enough plays to get the season started, but also, like you said, check protections, adjustments, get kind of everything situated there. So it's going to definitely be a, a huge thing to watch out for how well he's understanding and absorbing the playbook, which, like you said, in nine practices with no real pads on and OTAs, it's kind of tough to actually gauge that, but it will be absolutely a first step towards, you know, getting him ready for week number one. One thing. I'm excited to see that's a lot easier to gauge is how many first team reps he's getting. All right. What is the breakdown going to be between him and Gardner Mitchell? Who is going to get the first team reps and how many are they going to be splitting by? Because you've seen, and we are already seeing different approaches by different teams, right? Used to be in the past. Oh, you're the first round pick. Basically you, here's the position you take it. And now we're seeing less and less of that and more rookies having to earn it. We're seeing in Carolina, Frank Reich's already talked about when they get together for team activities, it's going to be Andy Dalton basically being quarterback one. Bryce Young's going to start as a backup and, and try to earn his way to the starting position. I think for the Colts specifically, and the challenges that Anthony Richardson needs to clear in order to play and be a successful quarterback, I would, George, to start even OTAs, I would make him QB1. I would put him with the starters. I would give him the lion's share of reps because anything you, you hear when it comes to his development is all about getting on the field and playing developing chemistry. Like you said, with his new receivers now and new offensive line, it's only going to happen by getting reps. And so I wouldn't view it as giving him the job right away. I would view it as basically giving him an opportunity to take the job and run with it. Not saying, Hey, you're getting quarterback one reps here in May, which means you're going to be our week one starter. It's Hey, we're going to try to build chemistry now and see kind of how you handle it. But I'm really intrigued, George, to see how Shane Second approaches breaking down those starter versus backup reps here in the first team setting and kind of, you know, how many reps Anthony Richardson is going to get, especially with the ones. Yeah, it's kind of one of the first big decisions for him, right? How is he going to split this up? Um, it's one of the big mysteries. How much is Minshew going to do with, with the ones? You know, how are you going to split these reps up when you're, at least right now, theoretically preparing both guys to potentially start week one, um, you know, it really hasn't been a situation we've seen here in Indy very often for all the quarterback change that there's been, 
has been a pretty obvious number one guy. Uh, training camp, you know, a couple of years ago, you had Ellinger and Eason competing with the idea of whether or not uh, Carson Wentz would be able to make it back in time. But that was a different situation because it was it was still going to be a temporary solution. It ended up not being necessary at all. But, you know, that's as close as it's been lately. And it's it's going to be interesting to see how that how Steichen does that. I think it's tough in the NFL. There's only so many reps to go around as is. And like you said, you, you really want to see Richardson getting the lion's share of that. I mean, that's from from everybody's everything I've heard from everyone really since the day he got in the building is he needs more experience. So you would want him out there getting as many reps as possible. And you would like to see the majority of those reps being with the first team um, just because if he is going to start week one, like you said, you want to start all those relationships right now. And, and I agree with you 100 percent. I don't think it should be viewed as handing him anything. It's trying to get this team in the best spot it can be to start the season. Um, at the same time, I think there's some importance to at least giving the signal to the locker room that the rookies are in this and that the best player is playing. So there has to be at least some competition here with, with Gardner Minshew and how they're going to, to handle that. I think that's one of the more interesting things. I don't know how important it is for these nine practices, but as we get to training camp, that's going to be huge. You know, at that point, you're looking, everything you do is about that opener against the Jaguars. And if you're still splitting snaps, and they probably will be, you know, are you costing the rookie? Is there something Richardson's losing in that? I think that's going to be a conversation all preseason long. Um, Even getting down to, you know, down the road when we get into August, how much is he playing preseason games? I mean, you've got to worry about the risk of injury. But at the same time, again, experience is the key here. Does he play longer than a number one guy normally would? I think all of this is going to be fascinating, and it all starts this week with this split of of whatever reps they're going to get. You know, as the first team is relatively – the practice that's going to be open to us is relatively short. It's going to be around 90 minutes, at least as far as it's scheduled now. They don't always stick to that completely. You know, everything's subject to change in this world, and practice times are no different. But right now it's around 90 minutes. So you're not going to have a ton of reps, you know, period. Like, I, I just think it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes. And I think you're right. I think that balance right now, you, you've got, on the one hand, it's got to be a real competition. you got to make sure everybody knows the best quarterback is playing. On the other hand, if Richardson wins that competition, which is what everybody hopes to happen, you don't draft him number four overall in the hopes that he's going to watch, you know, for years to come from the, from the sideline. If he does win that competition, you got to make sure he's ready. And that means getting the bulk of the reps. So, you know, how do you handle that? Do you split the first team reps but give him all the twos? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes. If I was Shane Steichen, I would give him 70%, let's say, of the first team reps. I would give Richardson as many opportunities as possible to let him, like you said, win the job. And I would start that right now this week, OTAs. Because, again, when we talk about Richardson, it's reps, reps, reps. I would give him all the reps he possibly can have in the spring, in the summer, in training camp, and see if he can take it and run with it. Because I think at this point, too, Gardner Minshew is obviously a veteran in the NFL. He is a guy that was with Shane Sykin last year. So even though it's a new team and maybe some of the terminology has changed, right, it's still there's a comfortability there between Shane Sykin and Gardner Minshew with you know what to expect. 
So it's not like you really need Gardner Minshew to, to show what he can do. You know what he can do. So I don't think that that's a guy that, again, needs a lot of reps himself because even if Gardner Minshew, let's say, does start week one, the expectation is going to be he's not going to start then a lot of games. Like maybe he starts the first three, four, five games. It's not one of those things where it's, okay, Gardner Minshew is going to be your quarterback. He's going to be the quarterback all season long, and you want to give him a chance to have as much success as possible. We've talked about this on numerous pods in the past, George. The win total in 2023 is irrelevant. Right, the, the wins and, and losses, the record does not matter as much as Anthony Richardson's development from today through week 18 when the season ends. How does he look and how do you feel coming out of year number one? Do you feel like this is a guy you can truly build your franchise around going forward and he's going to continue to improve? So if I'm Shane Sykin, I'll give him as many reps as possible, especially with the ones, have him start to develop chemistry with his offensive line, with his new receivers and tight ends and give him as, as many opportunities as possible to run away with the job. And if he doesn't earn it, if he's up and down, if there's still questions, okay, you can go to Gardner Minshew later in the year, and that's not a guy that I think needs a long runway to get ready for, again, what we anticipate to be kind of a short stint as a starter anyway. And I would kind of have the competition almost be, Richardson, show us you basically earn the job instead of giving him first-team reps, and then blindly, no matter how he does in practice and in training camp and in the preseason games, if he plays – kind of still giving him the starting job, even if he struggles. I would basically say, sink or swim, this is your job. See what you can do. If you're sinking, okay, well, you know, we'll go somewhere else and we'll go to Gardner Minshew. If you're swimming, congratulations, you're going to be our starter week one moving forward. I think it's a good point with Minshew. I mean, not only does he have obvious experience with Shane Sykin with two years in that Philly offense, that he's ahead of everybody else right there. You go back to his rookie year. Nick Foles was supposed to start that season for the Jaguars. Nick Foles spent the entire preseason as the starter. He got all the number one reps. He gets hurt early. I think, I think in week one, he got hurt. And Minshew as a rookie had to come in and, and take over without, you know, really a training camp as a starter or any of those sorts of things. And he went six and six, he threw 21 touchdowns and had six interceptions. He did just fine in that, in that scenario. So I think that's, what that tells you is, to your point, he doesn't need a ton of time this spring and, and even into the summer to get ready. He's a guy who's literally done this before. If it's needed to happen, he can probably just step in and and roll. I think it's one of the reasons he's here. Um, but I, you know, I think you really need Richardson needs that time. It's far more important for him, uh, you know, to get ready. And and the receivers need that time with him. I mean, as much as we talk about Richardson and his end of it, Pittman and Pierce and, you know, McKenzie's new to this team as much as, as anybody else. He needs time with everyone. But the receivers need time to learn Anthony Richardson. So I agree. I think you want to get him out there as much as you can. Uh, I think it just it makes the most sense. He's the guy that, that really this season's all about. Get him out there as much as you can. Get as much work for him as you can in with these veterans. And – you know, as it's going, you can adjust, you know, but I tell you right now, you can tell just from the things people are saying, even the, even the defensive players talking about how high his ceiling is, how much hope he brings to the locker room. I mean, I don't think you have to sell the roster on this guy. I think they're already there. Well, even you hear Gardner Mitchell last week when he's meeting with the media talking about Anthony Richardson and how quickly he's able to process information, how quick his feet are and Gardner Mitchell almost, be kind of being already blown away because the stereotype isn't. He kind of used it, and I thought that was funny, of guys with big arms basically saying, like, you know, they're not as as 
quickly ready to read defenses and, and make, you know, the, the smart read. They kind of, you know, basically putting words in his mouth, use their big arm and kind of trust that more than being able to trust their mind and use their mind to throw guys open, read defenses, put the ball in the right spot. And there's Gardner Minshew basically saying, yeah, despite Richardson having a howitzer for an arm, this is also a guy that's able to process pretty quickly. So again, I know it's early, but at least the returns you're getting early on are, you know, he's more developed than the Colts and players are thinking. So far, he's grasping the offense and is, is the mental side of it is looking, you know, promising. So it's like there's no reason now, George, to not kind of put him in the fast lane and say, all right, you know, so far, like you're passing all the quote unquote tests early on. Let's keep it going. You know, no reason to kind of stop the momentum now. Just keep on adding more to his plate and see how far he can go. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think a lot of that, too, is you don't want to find out in week four of the regular season that, that this isn't working. Do as much as you can now to, to know going in, you know. And training wheels, you know, I think with him are, I don't want to say they're irrelevant, but at some point you don't want that to be the situation all summer. At some point the training wheels have to come off. Maybe it's not this nine week, you know, these nine practices, but I would think it had to be early in training camp. You know, if he's going to be the starter at some point, you just have to hand it over to him and say, okay, we know there's going to be mistakes made, but this is your team and you got to roll with it. You know, I, I don't know how different the playbook's going to be from one quarterback to the other, but I can't imagine it's going to be identical between the two of them. That's another part of it. As we talk about the rest of the offense, you know, they've got to learn Richardson, but they've also got to know what the offense looks like when he's in there. And with Minshew, it's probably going to be more traditional. He's got mobility, certainly. But I would think Minshew's offense is going to look more traditional than Richardson's. So, again, get more of those reps with Richardson because I think there's going to be more improvisation in there. Even if it's just him extending plays in the pocket the way that he did in college, you still got to, you know, keep those routes alive. The receivers have to – Drill that. It's not something that just happens. I know it looks like backyard football, but you've got to have an understanding of where is he looking? Where does he really want me to be in a situation like this? You know, what what is his outlet look like? Because when you talk to guys, you know, in the league, it's different for every quarterback. You know, where they want to throw, how they want to throw, when things break down. And I think that's just something that naturally because of Richardson's athleticism because of just looking at what he did at Florida, he's going to extend more plays. He's going to run around more in the pocket. The receivers need more time with that. And I just think it, all of that comes, you know, into to full picture of he needs to be with the ones more often. I think with Minshew, it's going to be more what they're used to. It's not going to be identical to anybody else's offense because he's a unique guy, but it's going to be much more of a traditional offense. And, and I think you're going to be able, as a receiver, you're going to be much more able to just run – what the playbook says you should run. There are going to be moments with, with Richardson where you throw all that out the window and you improvise and adjust to what he's doing in the moment. I think one thing that benefits Anthony Richardson in a way was Jalen Hurts' injury last year because you talk about, you look at Jalen Hurts and Richardson, comparable quarterbacks. Obviously, Gardner Minshew was, was with the Eagles last year as well. And when Jalen Hurts got hurt and missed two games, on the fly within the span of a week, you know, Shane Sykin had to adjust the offense for Gardner Minshew. And like you mentioned, they're obviously not in wholesale changes, but some small subtleties that play calling tweaks, style of play tweaks are going to change with Minshew compared to last year, the Eagles hurts this year with the Colts Richardson. 
And so it almost helps, I think, Richardson in a way because Shane Steichen almost got that practice of having to change the offense and the style on the fly. And so if you give Richardson as many first-team reps now, and let's just say he's not he's not consistent enough to where you could feel good about putting him out there week number one and you feel, okay, we have to go to Gardner Minshew to at least start the season, you could do that late in training camp and still feel if you're Shane Steichen, I have an idea of, okay, what it's going to look like. And, you know, we were able to do it in a week in Philly. And I know they, I believe it was 0-2. I think they lost both games, but the one on Christmas Eve in Dallas, like the offense looked pretty good. So it's not like Shane Steichen had a lot of trouble adjusting on the fly to a new offense. It can be done. So you don't need a long runway to say, okay, Gardner Mitchell is going to be our starter. We basically need the three weeks of training camp to get him ready. You could do it a week and a half, a week left, maybe entering the last preseason game of, okay, this is going to be the call. We gave Richardson all the leash we could have gave him. We don't feel great about it, so we're going to go to Minshew. You can make that decision late in the in training camp, which means you can give Richardson as many opportunities as possible to feel comfortable, get the offense, and develop chemistry. And that's, I think, the most important thing this offseason is giving Richardson every single opportunity to get comfortable with the offense, get comfortable with, with the scheme and the players and develop chemistry and just give him a chance to kind of, you know, develop essentially. And that's another thing that I think that benefits the Colts in a way with what happened with Jalen Hurts last year. Shane Seiken already is kind of used to having to adjust on the fly in a short amount of time to go from one quarterback in one style to the next. I think that could benefit Richardson because you don't have to feel like we need a decision August 1st. You know, you could feel like, okay, we could go to August 21st and still feel like we can give Richardson an extra three weeks to try to win the job. And if he doesn't, we still have enough time to get ready for, what is it, September 10th, I think is that Sunday date. Still have him, you know, enough time to kind of make the transition to Gardner Minshew if that ends up being the case. Yeah, and I think that's the time frame I kind of expect to see, honestly. I would think that a starter would be named somewhere around that third preseason game, either before it or right after it. Um, it seems to be the case when there's quarterback competitions around the league. Now, I think if Richardson absolutely seizes it, it, it could come earlier. You know, if he right. if, if they know he's the guy, I think they'll announce that earlier. But I would expect it to be somewhere around that third preseason game. That seems to be kind of where it, it happens. I think that the way the schedule works now with that kind of bye week at the end of the preseason – where you've got that little extra time, I think it, it aids teams in, in these circumstances. Because you can make that call, like you said, after even that third preseason game, still have basically two weeks to get the starter ready to go for the regular season. It wasn't that way, you know, in the old days. Uh, you have about 10 days between the last preseason game and, and the start of the regular season. Now it's pretty much two full weeks, maybe even a little more than that. Because I think that last preseason game is usually on a Thursday. So I was, I think the Colts are the Amazon Prime, if I'm not mistaken, on that. Yeah. So I think it's like almost two and a yeah. half weeks then, that short week. Thank you, Al Michaels. Right. So, you know, there's plenty of time um, to, to, to go with either guy. And, and so I think that – I think it's really helpful. One of the things that I think the three – exhibition game schedule has really done that that probably helps teams a little bit if you don't know for sure who your quarterback is I think you got plenty of time with the way the schedule lays out now you mentioned just before that you think if like let's say Richardson seizes the job and he's the quarterback uh that's going to start that we can get that announcement sooner rather than later 
So far, the only thing we know about Shane Sykes, we know very little in terms of his coaching style. But one of the things I think we can concur, uh, concretely say so far is he is someone who gives very little details. I would not be surprised, George, if we are going and waking up Sunday, September 10th, and having no idea who the starter is going to be. Steichen seems like that guy who he's not going to give an inch or any extra information if he doesn't have to to anyone. I could see him declaring no winner in training camp. Job is open. Gardner Minshew taking like the first team reps in warmups on Sunday against the Jags. Owen have Richardson going. This this he seems like someone from the Bill Belichick school where he will give you literally as little details as he has to possibly give. He definitely seems like one of those guys who's guarding state secrets so far. You're right. I mean, it's it's been a short period of time, and and who knows how things play out. But uh, he's not been real forthcoming with stuff. And, and I think I almost expect what you just said um, to to play out to some extent because I know one of the things that the Colts feel like they have an advantage in this year is that you've got a first year head coach, and then you've got a rookie quarterback who nobody's 100 percent sure what that offense is going to look like. Now you throw in the fact that you're not even sure he's going to start. I think I think they will lean into that a little bit. Make Jacksonville prepare for both guys. Although Jacksonville knows Minshew as well as anybody in the league. So now it's probably not going to be a huge thing for them. I still think they would spend pretty much the entire time preparing for Richardson uh, because they know Gardner. You know, it was right. two years ago. Um, but I still expect the team to do it. I mean, I think any team would. When you, when you look around – the league, it's sort of you got a new head coach. Carolina probably won't because there's not much doubt. I mean, everybody knows Bryce Young's eventually going to be the the starter there. That's not really in question. And I think Houston's kind of the same way. You know, the, I think it's going to be Stroud. So I don't think they're going to Davis Mills much. did have a strong finish last year. George, he, he put did. on a Hall of Fame performance to finish out the year. Stadium, <laughs> yeah, absolute fourth and twenty or whatever that was, um, but. I, I don't think they're going to drag it out either. The Colts have that element of mystery. You know, the question has always been, will Will Richardson start? I think they're going to use that. I think they'll lean into that. Now, maybe not. Again, if he just absolutely lights out and there's no question about it, then I don't think they'll do it. But I think they're going to take every minute into that and drag it out right up to kickoff, like you said, because it is one of the few things they have in, in their their bag this year. One of the few clubs that they can use is that element of surprise. And I don't think you're going to see much from the preseason. Honestly, I think it's going to be really vanilla uh, because they're not going to want to tip anything until they go against Jacksonville in week one. I would agree with that. And as Shane Sykin loves to say, you know, I don't live in a world of hypotheticals. And so I guess technically, George, any question about the starting quarterback until it's actually game day is a hypothetical, right? So I'm he could just sure kind of... he's going to see it that way. <laughs> I am positive that's going to be his definition of it. Holy cow. So we may, yeah, we may not get an answer for a long, long, long time uh, on the quarterback battle. That is for sure. Like I said, the, the secrecy the Colts have an advantage of this year. They may try to milk that uh, as much as they possibly can. That is for sure. Speaking of which, let's talk about Shane Sykin a little bit here because just like Anthony Richardson, George, this week is the first time Shane Second will be on the field with a full team as well. It's obviously going to be a very interesting year. We just kind of talked about the mystery around this team. When you have a young team, you have a quarterback situation where even though we think Richardson will start a majority of the games, no really, really idea what to expect at all. What do you think 
is the biggest challenge Shane Sykin is going to face this year as a first time head coach and for a team that is coming off of a disastrous end. I would say George's biggest challenge is belief. Just because I, I know, I know it's a little different because you can't really take Jeff Saturday seriously just with his credentials. And I, and by that point it was a lost season anyway, but we saw the last to be generous the last month, this team throw in the towel and just quit. They absolutely quit on their head coach. They quit on the season. And even though it's a young team, there's still a good amount of guys that were there last year that experienced that. And again, Shane Sykin's credentials are way better, way more impressive than Jeff Saturday had. But we're talking about a situation that where we could see Anthony Richardson really struggle. There's absolutely a possibility and probably a likelihood that there are way more downs in 2023 than ups. And so if you're Shane Sykin, I feel like it's coming off last year, it's easy for veteran players or guys at least that saw last year and how bad it was at the end of the year. If we're talking about a Colts team that's three and 10 with Richardson having 15 picks and four touchdowns, I it's easy to still, I think, throw the towel in and just say, oh, another lost year, another year where we're not even competitive. And it's, we're watching this guy just is totally overwhelmed. I think belief in keeping his guys still on edge for the entire 18-week season, I think to me is going to be his biggest challenge in year number one with just so many still question marks and so many young guys in different positions trying to make you know a name for themselves. That's what I would say, George, is his biggest challenge heading to this season. How about yourself? Yeah, I think it's kind of related to what you said because um, I think buy-in is, is huge for every first-year coach. And then especially when you haven't been head coach before – uh, and you're coming into a right. situation like this where, you know, that Giants game is going to stick in everybody's mind. I mean, Nick Foles just, you know, on the field injured. Uh, that's going to be – that's the lasting image of last season. You know, whether – I think this first thing comes to mind for most people, you know, when, when you think about the 2022 Colts. And they've got to race that, and that starts with the head coach. You know, and I think that buy-in is always huge. Uh, and I think it's – for me – the biggest challenge is related to that because I think it's that buy-in is going to be an interesting mix this year. You've got so many young guys, so many rookies. I think there's something like 27 guys total in here between the draft picks and the undrafted guys um, that, that are never played before in the NFL. So it's almost one third of the, the 90 man wow. roster right now is rookies. And then you've got guys like DeForest Buckner, He's not at the end of his career by any stretch of imagination, but it's certainly at a time where winning is the most important part, you know, for him. And he's bought in so far to, to this sort of soft rebuild. You know, the, the idea that this is going to be a quick process, that you've got the right quarterback, that you're going to be good sooner than later. But as the year goes on, it's easy. I think it's easy to kind of feel that way right now. Like spring is, is all about optimism and, and possibilities like you were talking about, you get into week 13 and you're well below 500 and Richardson's struggling more than not. You see the flash and you see the promise, but he's not changing games at, at this point, you know, in his career. How will those veterans react? I think that's huge. You know, and there's a few of them. I mean, Buckner comes to mind immediately. He's a guy who's mm -hmm. been in the Super Bowl before. Grover Stewart, I think, is, is either 30 or about to turn 30. Ryan Kelly, even Quentin Nelson's getting a point in his career where he probably wants to start winning playoff games and, and having a legacy like that. Braden Smith, you know, 
all those guys who, who kind of core guys. And then you got guys like Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman who are in contract years or, or are looking for extensions. There's a lot of agendas in this locker room, or there could be, you know, and I think that's going to be a huge challenge for a first year coach to, to balance all that, to tell these veterans that, Hey, we're not giving up on the year. We're still going to try to win. But the most important thing is this rookie quarterback and getting him ready. That's a hard sell. You yes. know, it really is. Um, and I think it's going to, it's going to require some delicacy so far. It seems to be going well. I mean, I think there's a lot of optimism around there, but again, they haven't lost a game. They haven't thrown an interception. They haven't suffered an injury. They haven't, you know, faced tough questions after, after a, a you know, questionable decision. There's none of that's happened yet. So I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. I think it is for most coaches, but with this mix, it's just a really interesting roster in terms of you've got like two thirds of the roster that's ready to win now. And one third of the roster that is brand new to this league and trying to figure things out. And, and guys are in key positions. I mean, obviously Richardson, that defensive secondary could be dotted with rookies and second year players the offensive line can have a couple young guys, you know, second year guys, maybe a rookie, depending on how things turn out with, with them. Um, it's just a lot of key positions where there's extreme youth. And I think as a head coach, you've got to sell these veterans on. That's okay. It's going to be worth it. Hopefully this year, but definitely 2024 and 2025. Right. And that's like, you don't, Look, the Colts, are obviously, they're doing the right thing. This is not, you know, us questioning of, is this the right direction they're going down? They are 100% doing the right thing. But you are right. Like, when you do have certain veterans in certain spots, the last thing you want them to feel like they're doing this year is babysitting. And like you mentioned, that when you have almost a 30-year roster going to training camp who has never played a down in the NFL, when you're going to have very young, inexperienced players at some of the most important positions in offense and defense, even that head coach or the first-year guy that, yeah, Shane Sykin's been around the league for a while, but it's also his first time as a head coach who's going to balance play calling and also trying to be a head coach and, you know, dealing with the entirety of the team. He's going to have, you know, growing pains. He's going to have to work through this year. Obviously, Richardson's going to have growing pains. The secondary you mentioned is going to have massive growing pains this entire year. So it's like the last thing you want to force Buckner, Grover Stewart, Quentin Nelson to think they're doing is babysitting. Where it's like, oh, like these idiots, you know, they, they can't figure it out or this is such a, a stupid play or, you know, mindset that they have. And it's just like you kind of roll in your eyes of just like, I can't believe I'm, you know, dealing with this. And that's obviously the worst case scenario you want. And again, after the way last year went down and the second half of the year, how it finished, like, I think it's easier to fall into that mindset than it would be for coming off a year that, you know, was okay or the Colts were four and 12 and one, but it, you know, it wasn't just a situation where they lost eight straight games and, you know, we're a laughing stock at the end of the season where you're blowing a 33 point halftime lead and you're no showing some games like the offensive line last year quit. Are they going to quit again? If Bernard Ryman, let's say doesn't take a massive step in year number two and you have a rookie at right guard and he's struggling and Anthony Richardson for all the praise we gave him with pocket presence at Florida, if he now is, is starting to get, you know, happy feet and he runs out of the pocket sooner than he should, you know, is the offensive line going to quit on that? Like, I think once you quit once, George, I think the question is always going to be out there. And that's definitely something that Shane said. I think it's going to be, like I said, the biggest challenge is just having guys still buying in, playing hard, even with the mostly downs they're going to face this season. Like you said, having those key guys that, 
you hope are still going to be on the team by the time the Colts are competitive again in two, maybe one year, but probably two or three, having them kind of see the long-term vision of, hey, it's going to be bad, but we hope, you know, our plan is to turn it around sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think the idea is you you may have to get a little bit better, worse before things get better. Um, hard to imagine getting worse than last year, and, and hopefully it doesn't in terms of chemistry and and you know those sort of like front office type things. Um, but it, it it's going to be a tightrope, I think, with this team. And right now, everybody's on the same page. Uh, I think he's he's off to a good start in that regard. He certainly got the respect. Of these guys, like you said, coming off a year where the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, he's got the credentials. He's going to have respect from these guys walking in the door. For that matter, Jeff Saturday did just from his playing career. You know, a lot of them were like, okay, we'll, we'll see how this goes. You know, this is a guy's legendary within the franchise. We'll see how this works because you don't have any choice in the moment. You are not gonna, you have time in the middle of the season to, to sit down and assess everything. You just got to get ready for the Raiders, you know. Now there is time. You know, and there and there is going to be a lot of eyes on him as these practices start. These veterans are going to be watching. You know, or how is this going? Is it a babysitting job, or are they hoping to win this year? Because as much as we've talked about being prepared, managing expectations, being prepared for more bad than good, from a franchise perspective, you still have to have the idea of hey, we could get hot, we could make the playoffs. This division is is not the most dominant division in the league by, by a hard stretch. Um, the schedule is not real imposing. You know, you still have to have in the back of your mind, kid comes along faster than you expect. Some of the other rookies are able to contribute faster than you expect. Then you could do some things this year. You have to approach it that way. And I think that's the veterans are going to be looking for signs of wait till next year. You know what I mean? Uh, which is going to be easy to do. And I think if they start seeing that, they're going to push back. And, and who can blame them? If you're DeForest Buckner, you're going to be patient to a degree. And you understand the plan. But you still don't want to just wad up 2023 and throw it away before it even starts. Especially, again, when you come off last year and, you know, the kind of the thought going into this year is, well, it could be similar, especially from a record perspective. And, like, you go through the frustration of last year and it's like almost like you're signing up to do it in a way again. Now it should be different, right? You have – you obviously have promise at quarterback. You have a head coach that also looks to be like a guy that knows what he's doing. And like I said, has a credentials already coming into this job where there should be belief that he can turn it around and develop Anthony Richardson. But it's almost like in a way like, yeah, you're signing for how frustrating 2022 was and the, the goal and the hope of every player is, okay, we'll never experience that again. Sure. You may not experience the actual frustration and at times need to quit. But at the end of the day, the record could be the same this year as it was last year. That's a tough pill to swallow, especially now, and especially if you see it early in training camp, but there's a lot of mistakes, rookies out of place, not, you know, learning maybe quick enough as the veterans want. It could be, like I said, a situation where it is best for the organization to take a step backwards this year in order to go forward. And that's, I think, again, the right plan of action. But it's easy for me and you to say, well, we're not at practice every day where our careers aren't ticking down. It's like we have two more years to win before we're kind of out of our prime. It's one of those things where it is tougher to digest if you are some of those players like a DeForest Buckner in his situation specifically compared to, again, younger guys where it's, oh, okay, got a longer career ahead of me. And yeah, 2023 is a bad year. I wasn't here for 2022, so okay, no problem. It's, it is a, at times a tough kind of, you know, pill to swallow of reality being that 
yeah, 2023 record-wise and standings-wise and end of the year not being competitive-wise could absolutely kind of repeat itself again uh, in 2023. Again, maybe a little different way it plays out, but record is kind of the same as Bill Parcell says you are, what your record says you are. Then if we're talking about a similar record, 2022, 2023, not great. Not easy to uh, to accept whatsoever. So I think progress is going to be such a huge part of this. I mean, they're going to need to see improvement from week to week. And that starts now. Like I said, you're going to want to see Anthony Richardson be a better quarterback than he was at rookie minicamp. And then next week, better than he was this week. I think that's going to be the gauge this whole year. Because like you said, the record might be ugly. They're going to have to feel like in, in December, they're a better team than they were in September. And if they don't, that's where things can get really, really tough for, for the head coach. And like you mentioned, that's one way to keep belief. And that's one way Shane Sykin can absolutely, no matter what the record is, still having a lot of veterans believe like we're going in the right direction. Which is why, like I said, if he's developing, and that's why we always have constantly talked about the number one thing for this season is Anthony Richardson's development. Because even if you are 4-13 next year, well, if he's looking a lot better and playing stronger, you know, at the end of the season, and maybe the Colts get a majority of their wins in November and December, all of a sudden you look at 2024 differently than if Richardson gets off to a hot September, and then by December, the league has figured him out. He's in a total cold streak and can't get out of his own way. And you're like, oh my goodness, like, is this the guy? What do we, you know, and then questions of doubt seep in everywhere. That's that's one way, no matter what the record is, to keep guys believing it and have progress going in the right direction is if you have Anthony Richardson better in week 18 than he was in week number one. That is obviously the biggest goal for 2023, without a doubt. Um Let's talk about expectations, George, for a quick second for this team. We don't. We both believe they're they're not going to be very good in 2023, but there is one rule change that could impact the Colts this season, and that is on Monday the NFL announced that they will have flex Thursday night scheduling. So that means now every single primetime game, Thursday, Sunday, Monday, for at least 2023, you can put teams into those windows and take teams out of those windows. Now, you need a month's notice in order to move uh, a team from Sunday to Thursday. This is only going to be for weeks 13 to 17, so late in the year. Um, And this is also the first year that teams are not guaranteed to be on Thursday night. As we know, the Colts have zero Thursday night games. So right now, they are not in danger of being taken out of one of those slots. But there's a chance they could be in one of those slots. But before that, before we get to maybe seeing the Colts on primetime this year... What do you think about this new rule change, George? It obviously screws fans because if you plan on going to a Sunday game and all of a sudden a month before you find out actually the game's on Thursday, if you're from out of town or even just in town but you have worked during the week, it changes everything, throws everything for a loop here. Are you a fan of now making Thursday night, like putting the actual product on TV better and avoiding Colts, Broncos, or Commanders, Bears? When we, I think they two four teams combined for like 10 points in those two games. Last year, are you in favor of putting some better games on Thursday night with this new rule change? I mean, I'm fine with putting better games on on paper. You know, if you're going to try to beef up the schedule before the season and and try to, you know, predict what's going to happen. I mean, I think that Colts-Broncos game looked a lot better when the schedule was made than it did when it was actually played. Um, But I, I, look, I'm against Thursday night football in general. I think it was a bad idea to begin with. I, I just don't like it. I think it's there's too many guys who would be able to play on Sunday who don't play on Thursday. I think 
in and of itself, it's a competitive balance issue, even that it exists. Because I think there are teams that lose Thursday night games that might have won if the game was on Sunday because they had a key player out, couldn't get back in time. And somehow the league keeps making it worse. I mean, I think it was a bad idea to begin with. Then the idea of, oh, let's have teams play multiple times and not have everybody subject to it. That's a worse idea. And now it's like, what could we do to make this terrible idea even more horrible? How about add flex scheduling into it so that we can now just randomly take teams in and out? Now, like you said, it's a month notice, but I just don't. I think it's going to affect the playoff chase. I really do. Because you're now talking about potentially flexing a game in late in the season to a Thursday that was supposed to be a Sunday. And invariably, it may not happen this year, but it's going to happen at some point over the life of this. A quarterback's going to miss one of these games. And a team in a key, you know how important these December games get. Mm-hmm. You're going to go out there without your starting quarterback on a Thursday who could have played on Friday or on Sunday, especially if it's like a concussion situation and he can't clear the protocol. And now he doesn't play on Thursday night and he would have cleared by Sunday and you lose the game. I I don't know why you'd want to create situations like that for yourself. I, I do know why there's billions of dollars or why it's happening, but it's, to me, it's a massive competitive balance issue on top of the fact that your fans, as you said, okay, you bought your son Christmas tickets for, for a game. This is great. We're going to go, you know, Jan- the first week of January. Oh, wait, that game's on a Thursday night now and we can't make it. I, don't do that to your fans. Don't do this to your players. Don't do it to the integrity. Honestly, I think it affects the integrity of the league. I really do. Is it going to be an every week thing? No. But when you're flexing these late season games, you're talking about highly, highly important matchups. And you could be messing with those rosters. I don't like it. Obviously, clearly impacts the fans, right? That's one thing. It's obvious we don't have to get too into it. It's screwed up for them. And you're, you said it, so I won't repeat what you said. But you're right. I think the bigger issue, too, is the fact that you are now going to impact the playoff race and the run to the Super Bowl. Because if you're going to be a team that's flexing a Thursday night, here's a spoiler alert. You're not going to be a bad team. They're not putting the, the four and 11 Colts taking on the three and 13 bears on Thursday night football for how Michael's get excited about. You're going to move the chiefs or the bills or the Bengals or the Eagles and move them up. And we're talking about now the, like you see it every day, George in the locker room, by the time Thanksgiving comes, these guys are hurting. Everyone is hurt. No one is near 100%, but you push through it. And now you're going to say, hey, you might have played on Thursday night a month ago. But, by the way, even though you're hurting and you are now maybe one game out of the one seed or or one game out of the playoff race or one game away from the division lead, we're going to move that game up three days. Like I said, even if, best case scenario, all you guys are still healthy, well, now you have a short week with a very important game when you don't have a lot of prep time to get ready for it, and you lose that game, like you said, you, you feel and your season comes down to either you missed out on the one seat, so you miss out the bye, or you miss home field advantage, or you miss out the division, or you miss out by the playoffs. By one game, it's very easy to go back to that Thursday night game and satisfying, for whatever reason, Al Michaels and Amazon of having to move that team up three days, throw the entire schedule off, and really put them in a disadvantageous situation because these guys are already banged up and it's so hard to get ready for a Sunday game late in the year. Now we're going to get ready for a Thursday night game on short rest it makes no sense. You know what? I don't get, George. Like, you said before you hate Thursday Night Football. 
for me, of the three primetime slots, I actually love Thursday Night Football the most. Just because by Sunday, like, I don't know about you, and I know it's, like, different when you're covering games. I'm just exhausted. There's just so much football going on from 1 o'clock to 8 o'clock. By the time the Sunday night game comes around, I'm, like, ready to go to bed. So I'm, like, kind of tired already. Monday night football, I'm still kind of tired slash, like, buzzing about the Sunday game. So it's like, okay, Monday night football is cool, but it's not like I'm looking forward to Monday night that much. Thursday, when it's kind of new, okay, you get two days off, Wednesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, now the new week is here. Like, I look forward to Thursday night football the most. But with that said, I don't really want good games. That makes sense. Like, I love the window, but I don't need to see Chiefs-Bills, you know, that kind of matchup every single week. I actually kind of like middle-of-the-road matchups just because it's like one of those things where you can sink your teeth into, but it's also not consequential. It's like an appetizer. You know, the appetizer would be the best part of the meal. You just want it as a nice little warm-up, get you ready for, you know, the main course and dessert coming afterwards. So it's like, I get why Amazon wants great matchups because they're paying all this money and you don't want, again, Commanders, Bears, and Carson Wentz versus Justin Fields in like a 15 to 10 game, whatever that ended up. I get it. But why the NFL is acquiescing to Amazon and Al Michaels over, they're, they're, they're basically putting Amazon over fans, over teams, over NBC, over ESPN. Like they're putting Amazon basically number one. I don't get why. I truly don't get why. No, and it, you know, I, I get the window and I get the appeal there. And I thought it was nice at times, you know, a team like Atlanta last year that was playing a little bit better than expected. They weren't by any means on anybody's radar as a contender, but they were a better team than they were expected to be. They had a young quarterback late in the year. You get them on Thursday night football and you get a good look at them. That, that was fun, you know, getting, getting that kind of chance. Um, the reason I didn't like it all along is I think it ends up being bad games or at least not as good as it could be on Sunday because of what you were just talking about. Short week, guys are banged up. Even the guys that do make it and, and can play aren't at full strength. They're not like they would be on Sunday. Um, and so it just, for me, that's not, I don't really like to see that. I don't know. I, I fear we're going to get to a day where like the Jets are on Thursday night football every week because they got Aaron Rodgers and now it's just all 17 games are the Jets. You know, it, it seems like what they want to do I'm using them right now because the big market with a new team, it's a different team every year, but it feels like that's what they're trying to do is get to a point where it's okay. Here's this, this big, and I think it was Warren Sharp. Somebody almost positive was Warren Sharp had a, had a really in-depth Twitter thread about a week ago about how the, the schedule imbalance is worse than it's ever been because of rest days. And a lot of that has to do with what they did the Thursday night football and not everybody having one and some people having more than one. There's some ridiculous 49ers or somebody has something like 24 less days of rest net over their 17 games this year than their opponents. That's insane. Wow. Why, why would you want to do that? And I think this flex is just going to make it worse. Uh, without a doubt, w without a doubt. And like you said, it impacts good teams. Now it will not impact the Colts this year. I'm going to say, although we'll get into that here in a second, but like it's gonna like they this is a one year trial period, George. And put that in quotes because they said, oh, you know, we'll see how it goes. It's gonna stay. This is one of the things where there's no chance that they're gonna, you know, take this away. So you know, going forward, it may not be this year. The Colts sooner rather than later are gonna get screwed by this. It's gonna happen where fans are gonna get screwed out of going to a game. The Colts may get screwed out of a win because, like I said, someone's hurt, or again, you're just not fully ready to play and you have your prep time cut basically in half. 
going from Sunday to Thursday. And if it's a big game, which again, they're going to flex these games that are big and important in the standings and important in the playoff race. You are now, you could potentially miss out on the playoffs or, you know, be in a situation that's not the most advantageous spot. If you get in the playoffs, because this one game had to satisfy Amazon more than anything else. And you see the NFL putting TV providers ahead. I get that's where the money's coming from, but like, I think at this point, George, we have learned people will watch no matter what. If it's Falcons and Panthers in week 13 on Thursday night, I promise you people are going to watch. It's going to be on in the background. So you don't like, it's not one of those things where, oh, we have to have a good game on or else no one's going to watch. It's not soccer. It's not baseball. It's not even basketball. People will watch no matter who is on the, the who was playing. That's why I, don't, I just don't think that this is necessary whatsoever. Aside from, like I said, all the disadvantages that it has on the field, just from a ratings money perspective, which is always obviously the driving force um, between, uh, with the NFL, it is going to be a situation where you do not need to do this. People will watch no matter what. And if Al Michaels is upset or throwing a hissy fit because he has to call, God forbid, a Jaguars-Colts game in week 14, sorry, like that's you signed up for it. Uh, plenty of people have way worse jobs where if the biggest stink you're going to make is calling a game between a seven and five and a six and 10 team, big suck it up. Suck it up. Exactly. I mean, he was at NBC. He could stay on Sunday night football. I know Monday night was looking, you know, there were a lot of options for him where he could have gone. You go to Thursday night. Did you not watch Thursday night football before? Did you not know what that, that schedule looked like? You know, it, it, it's the way it works. And, and to your point, that Falcons-Panthers game, the random, you know, late season game between them, probably outdraw the World Series on TV ratings. I mean, let's be honest. That's how it goes. Or at least be a lot closer than it should be. Right. Uh, you look at those ratings, usually it, it's definitely going to outdraw, like, a first-round playoff game in, in Major League Baseball. And that's there, – there's no reason to do this. There's The NFL is king, but I feel like they just keep trying to, to milk that – more and more every year, they're going at some point to hit a at some measure juncture here. There's going to be diminishing returns. I don't know when that is, but they're going to hit it. And you know, maybe look, I'm sure there's people out there now saying, you know, what's the big deal? And maybe, maybe it has little impact. I just, to me, it's completely unnecessary. And that's that's the biggest thing from any standpoint. You're disrupting fans' schedules and it. You know, the tickets that they bought that they aren't cheap, by the way, that they spent hard-earned money on. You're disrupting your players and your competitive balance. And you're doing it all for what? To get a few more viewers? Because I'm with you. I think it's it's not going to be that big of a difference from one week to the next. It, especially when most time for me, Thursday night's the one I, I end up watching the most just because it works best in my schedule. Sunday, I'm usually working. Monday, I'm usually like you are. I'm a little bit like, okay, I'm a little burned out. If the Monday night matchup is really good, then I'll catch it. But most of the time, I'm like maybe the second half, like right before bed or something. <laughs> Thursday is that it's the only game on. Yeah, I'll go. I don't really care who it is. There's no other option. I'll right. go watch whatever game it is. And sometimes you're really surprised. Hey, that game was was actually really competitive. Or you saw a player that, that you didn't know was playing as well as they were or whatever. This to me is unnecessary, causes a lot more problems than it than it could potentially solve. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. Now, we don't neither of us think the Colts will be any good, but let's just play the game, George. It's weeks 13 to 17 with this flexing options available from Sunday to Thursday. 
Any chance this year the Colts could be moved from Sunday to uh, Thursday? This is their schedule week 13 to 17. At the Titans. At the Bengals. TBD, maybe a Saturday game. At home against the Steelers in week 15. At the Falcons week seven, uh, week 16. And then week 17 home against the Raiders. Any of those games, George, jump out of you. Any of those games, if you are the exec at Amazon, are you saying, you know what? That could be a game. Maybe we'll put a little asterisk there. Maybe a little circle of, you know, something to watch later, put a pin in it. Any game from 13 to 17 you think could be flexed in for the Colts here, possibly? I mean, if it was the old way and, and everybody had to be on once once a week, uh, once a season, I would look at that Titans game because maybe Will Levis is starting by then and you might have two young quarterbacks in the same division. That could be fun. Plus, the Titans and Colts don't like each other and haven't for a while. So there's there's always a little bit of chippiness in that game. I think it's something that would be, for casual viewers, they would probably catch on to the fact pretty quickly that these teams don't like each other. And then you get those young quarterbacks out there. I think that would be fun. The way it's set up now, I don't see that happening because I don't think either team's going to have a winning record. Um, and so they wouldn't want to move that in. They're always ready to to put the Steelers in prime time. So that one, if the Colts are you know remotely competitive, we saw that last year. Hot take, by the way, that Steelers Colts game would have been absolutely flexed out of Monday night. What was that week sixteen last year? Fifteen? It was late. Yeah, it it was. It was late in the year. Chargers was later, so maybe it was more like week twelve because they were a month apart. Um, because of. So maybe after Thanksgiving, maybe was that, maybe was that I think was the Monday after, after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, possibly or the week after, but it was like. Late November, early December, right in this window of, oh, that's a bad game. Let's get it out of there. Yeah, I don't know if they'll – like, that's going to be interesting too. Like, I don't know if they're going to flex those games because part of it, obviously, is competitive games. Part of it is those brand-name teams. True. So, I don't know. They might have stuck them in there anyway because it was Pittsburgh. And then, I don't know, it was right before the Steelers got hot. Like, they came in with very similar records. Might have had the same record. Um, so and Kenny Pickett stunk too going to that game. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, they had a breakout game, but really, that was the game that started the Steelers kind of that run they had to almost make the playoffs. Um, so it, it might have been it might have been moved out. The only other ones, the Bengals. Uh, I think you know people should want Joe Burrow in prime time as much as possible. So again, I think the Colts have a heartbeat. That game with Cincinnati or the game with Pittsburgh could could move in there, um, but realistically. I don't see it happening this year. Uh, I think they would flex the Germany game if they could. <laughs> Somebody else into that that slot, but pretty sure that one's written in stone. Yeah, that's. I think fans, if they bought their tickets to Germany, you have to worry too much about the Colts uh, moving out of that one. That is for sure. I would agree in terms of the bank. I think bet it's not going to happen. But if there was one chance for the Colts to get a primetime spot this year, I think it would be that Bengals game. Obviously, the Bengals now with Joe Burrow our team everyone focuses on that's a game on Sunday. That's going to be like buried in the one o'clock slot. Anyway, if you have Richardson playing well and all of a sudden getting off and is more consistent than we think he's going to be. And he, you know, even if the wins are not there, but he's playing well, you could have a situation where two fun, interesting quarterbacks are playing Bengals probably going to be right near the top of the AFC again. So that could be a game where there's intrigue with the quarterback, but also intrigue with the Bengals having a, a late season run there. Um, so that's, I think the one, the only chance, and it's a road game, only chance. I think we could see the Colts flex into prime time, but I don't foresee that happening. The Raiders game, 
both teams are going to be bad. Even though there's a McDaniel storyline making his first return to Indy as a head coach, that is I still need enough juice to flex a game where I don't think the Raiders are going to be very good this year. And if the Colts go as we think they're going to go, that could be a, a pretty ugly primetime game in terms of a record perspective. And I don't think enough people will tune in to see the Colts fans boo Josh McDaniels to start the game. And then, then what you're watching Jimmy G I mean, at that point, who even knows Jimmy G can't stay healthy. So who, who the hell knows? You could have Brian Hoyer starting that game. Oofa. You talk about bad quarterback matchups. Oofa. Brian Hoyer starting a game. No, thank you. I'm out. I am out. I don't have good memories. The last time I saw him play at Lucas Oil Stadium, that's for sure. Oof. So I don't think that's something that, that the nation needs to, to witness. No. I'm not sure the Colts need that on their shoulders this year either. And I know, like, look, there's there's plenty of pressure in the NFL generally. Um, but I don't know that, that this young team necessarily needs to be in a primetime slot where they know the whole country is watching. Um, and they might try to do a little too much. You know, I think the young guys in particular, they want to make their name. You know, hey, we're the only game on. We're going to go out there and, and we're going to get the everybody's attention. Um, I don't know if this team needs that this year. I don't know if it's in their best interest. That's an interesting angle because I did think the Colts should have got a Thursday night game from an intrigue perspective when you have a, an an alien and a question mark in, in Anthony Richardson. I thought that would have been a way for the league to show it off, especially like I said, we, we've talked about the Panthers game before. That could have been a, a fun little Thursday night battle that I think would have had nationally, you know, national appeal. Um, that's an interesting point. I will say this. I would rather have that, the Colts trying too hard, than what we saw last year where – they were lifeless against the Chargers. Mel didn't get the Steelers. I know it's not a primetime game. It was a standalone Saturday game, but blow a 33-0 halftime lead against the Vikings. Like, that awful offensive performance that set offensive football back 30 years uh, with that game in Denver. Like, I at least, if I see some juice, and even if the Colts are making mistakes because of over-aggressiveness, I'll take it, George, compared, yeah. uh, compared to what we saw last year in primetime games that were most mostly lifeless and left us counting down the time till it was finally over. The Giants game wasn't standalone, but they oh. needed a win to get in the playoffs, and it was New Year's Eve in New York. So it was a bigger stage than than a normal 1 o'clock Sunday game, and that was another absolutely disaster. performance. So I think that's the biggest reason they don't have a primetime game, I'm going to be honest. The, the way they played last year in in you know on big stages – gave nobody a whole lot of reason to to welcome them back. So I think that's one that, you know, when we talk about moving things in the right direction this year, getting yourself into a spot where they want to put you on primetime next year would make this a very successful season. Absolutely. I like that. That's that's the bar. No wins, no losses. Be a team the nation will be intrigued to see in 2024. That is a standard. And that standard, George, can start to be met this week with the first team practices starting, OTAs are underway. So the media availability, George, this week is Thursday, correct? Yep, Thursday. So Thursday, our plan then is to have a pod after practice on Thursday, hear the players talk for the first time in, in the full squad workouts, see if Shaq Leonard is out there, see you know where guys are positioned, who's getting first team quarterback reps, what did Shane Steichen think, what did Anthony Richardson think? We will have a lot of storylines coming out of that first week of OTA. So we will be back on Thursday, Thursday evening-ish on the Blue Horseshoe Pod with a, a fresh reaction here to the first OTA practices. So again, if you are just tuning in for the first time, welcome. We appreciate you. 
Make sure, though, you don't go anywhere. Subscribe, download to the Blue Horseshoe Pod, wherever you get your podcasts. Bright blue logo if you are a podcast listener. If you want to watch the beautiful, handsome faces of George and I, YouTube is a place to go. Blue Horseshoe Pod is where you can find us on YouTube. Subscribe there, and uh, you'll be able to watch every single episode. Again, notification anytime we do drop a pod, which Thursday is going to be the day. So, George... Back on the practice field, it's going to start to really feel real now as, as training camp is basically two months away. A lot of questions still to go. We'll hopefully get some answers on Thursday, but excited to kind of talk about some aspects of football, at least that is uh, that is for sure. So have a great week. We'll talk to you on Thursday right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.